In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my esteemed co-host, James Kim. What's up, homie? What's up, man? Great day on sat- last Saturday at the cocktail party. Got a big one at- on tomorrow against Mizzou at home, so let's fire it up. Let's go. The air breathes a little crisper and a little easier the week after a win in Jacksonville at the soiree on the St. John's. It's been an outstanding week and got another one, big one this weekend. I kind of think about this stretch of the schedule like a four-quarter game, right? And the first quarter, unlike the dogs in the first half of the season, boys came out hot. I mean, they were ready to roll. And so now we got second quarter coming up with Mizzou this weekend on homecoming in the Classic City. Another big one next weekend against Ole Miss. And then fourth quarter got to finish strong against Tennessee in Knoxville. So big stretch here. And let's talk a little bit before we roll into Mizzou here about the cocktail party and what your impressions were, if you were surprised by anything or if things manifested there the way that you thought they would. It seems to be kind of the MO um, the past couple, like any game where we start slow, especially on defense, there's the scripts seem to hurt us. South Carolina comes to mind, that Florida script. When the other offense is running their scripted plays, the plays they practice all week, their offense is much crisper. We react late. Same thing with Vandy, too. Um, and we make adjustments quickly to whatever they're running. And then we shut that down um, throughout the rest of the game. Um, perfect example, the touchdown play, then Bullard had that huge, probably the hit of the, the season so far on um, number three. I can't remember his name, the guy who scored the t- first touchdown for Florida. And it just seems like that once we settle in after that first drive, almost kind of how Beck, after he takes a hit, settles in, the defense is ready to roll. But the offense, I mean, even though we settled for three on the first drive, it just seemed like the whole offense was just on fire, all cylinders, all game. And then that little four-and-a-half-minute stretch was very reminiscent of 2021 at the end of the first half where um, we you know, we had the, the two turnovers, the long pa- pass in the end zone to Kyrus, then the pick six for, um, for N'Kobe right before the half, and we blew that game wide open. Same thing here with the stop, then the turn, the strip sack, and then the three quick touchdowns and the um, – and the, uh, the block pump for the safety. And by that point, the game was over, and we just kind of coasted the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, start slow, I think, when you have an offense that comes out and knows what they want to do. But to your point, man, what was it like? They gave up three yards or something like that over the course of five drives. Is that right? I mean, it was something ridiculous like something that. Something ridiculous. They, they just turned the spigot off quickly, and then it's just – free reign I thought for me man and this is continuing to be a story for me but Carson is just completely in command of the offense and you can tell that everyone is now fully invested in that and fully confident in that and I thought play of the game for me like the one I was most proud of for him and the one that I thought was I thought spoke the most about where he sits and where the offense sits was dude the run check to Dejon that ends up in whatever it was, the 18 or 20-yard touchdown run, where he goes up to the line, makes the check, they hand off to Dejan of the gun and pop around the right corner, touchdown. And so, like, I mean, again, I'm kind of assuming that was a check, but that's what it looked like, right? It looked like he came out, saw a look that he liked, changed whether it was just direction of the play or what the blocking was going to be based on what the defense showed. But Dejan essentially goes untouched the end zone on that. And – I think those are the things, if we go back to August, that we ask questions about, right? Like, is he going to be able to do those types of things? And the fact that that is happening now, man, and dude, he's just spinning it great. Like, 
I thought the throw he made to Ladd where he kind of sidesteps pressure to the left and then hits Ladd on the play where Ladd jumped up and then spins out for all those yards. Not the touchdown play, but the second big one that Ladd popped. Like I know exactly. Yeah. I was actually getting ready to bring that up. That was my favorite play of the game when he's kind of like rolling to his left just slightly and kind of throws it across his body and Ladd. I, when that ball first left his hand, I thought he was throwing to the receiver behind Ladd. Um, cause I didn't, you didn't really see lad cutting across at the angle they showed the play on TV. So, um, but it clearly was when they showed it from behind Carson, you can see lad cutting across and you see where he was throwing the ball. And that was just a great, I mean, great athleticism, great read, uh, just a great play all around by everybody. And that was a, that was a huge play. Cause if I remember correctly, that was a third down play. I'm pretty sure that was a third down play. All right. Two other things I want to talk to you about for the game. First one being Huge story going in, no Brock Bowers. That, that's what everybody's been talking about for two weeks since the Vandy game. And I'm not going to say it was much to do about nothing because, again, we've been very clear that we think he's the best player in college football. So not having him matters a ton, but feel like negated a good bit when you have a healthy Lad McConkey. And given what we saw Saturday, it feels like Lad's healthy now. And if he is, boy, what a difference maker. I don't know if you saw – Dane Brugler's um, top 50, his first two rounds, or top 50 prospects that he just put out on The Athletic. But guess who was, I believe, number 48 on that list? Mr. Lad McConkey. So that kind of tells you the heads that he's turning and the prospect that people think he is when he's fully healthy. Also on that list at number 50, Carson Beck. So um, he is obviously starting to get the respect that he deserves. Tangential question on Carson. Just wasn't what I was going to ask you, but you think if he continues out the way he's been playing, averaging like 300 yards and 70% completion percentage and the dogs went out and they're playing in Atlanta, you think he ends up getting an invite to New York? It depends on how everything else shakes out. So I, I don't really like how the Heisman hype has kind of played out so far. Um, if, if Ohio State goes undefeated, it's going to be – Marvin Harrison Jr. And honestly, I think even if they lose a game, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get invited because of he is their offense this year. Um, and he's always been the focal point, but this year without him, they're probably a two-loss team at this point. Um, yeah. So I feel like that he's going to get an invite. And, and scandal aside, regardless, I'm pretty sure McCarthy is going to get an invite from Michigan. And this really feels like this year because of that, um, that this feels like this could be a three where only three people actually go to New York here. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, for, with four people going to New York, I feel like there's a really good shot that both uh, people, especially if Washington continues to win out, I know they've struggled a little bit and had to have um, comeback wins. But if they if they win out and then lose in the um, Pac-12 uh, championship game, to, let's say to Oregon, I could see both Penix and Knicks going. So that's because they're just going to have better numbers. So, and it's quarterback driven. So that's kind of where I feel like Beck might, because he's just not, we run the ball better than both of those teams. That's where it's going to come down to, which at the beginning of the season, that was a big concern, which I'm happy about. So I'm not 100% sure if he's going to get an invite based solely on that. Yeah, I'm interested about that. I, 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 don't, I just, I'm curious to see how that plays out, especially you're going to get 330 kicks Saturday. They're going to get it a night kick against Ole Miss and then a 3.30 kick against Tennessee or vice versa. 3.30 kick against Ole Miss and then night kick against Tennessee. So a lot of like primetime action he'll have in the next three weeks. And I do think he turned a lot of heads on Saturday in the cocktail party. But yeah, I do think your, your points are well taken. I, From a narrative perspective, from a numbers perspective, I don't know that the train or the juice is behind him. Um, but you know, if we were having an honest conversation in this part of November last year, I don't know that we would have said, hey, Stetson's going to be in New York. I feel like that steam started to just start. I'm not even going to say pick up, but just start after his performance in the in, in November. Uh, Tennessee game. Yeah. So, Tennessee game. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I, I think a lot of it's going to be results dependent and, and things like that. So, so we'll see on that. Other thing I want to talk to you about before we move on to Mizzou is the D-line. I just thought – we looked different defensively on Saturday and lots of pressure, lots of disruption. I just thought we looked more dynamic. I'm not saying that the D line and the front seven in general hasn't done a good job up to this point. I just thought they looked more like difference makers last weekend, which I don't know if you could really say that 
um, from a consistency perspective over the first seven games. And so, and we texted about this a little bit, but I think TID coming back is part of that, right? I mean, he was yeah. noticeable throughout the game. And I think his health and him being part of the rotation to then give guys more of a blow in between drives and whatnot, I think is big. But uh, I also do think we've played a lot of young guys on the D-line. And I think once we're getting to this point in the season, you're kind of getting some guys. I mean, remember how Jordan turned the corner his freshman year around the Florida game? And that's when it was like, oh, man, this dude's like making an impact. Well, I think we're now starting to see that with the younger guys that have played this year. And so this back half of the schedule gets really, really interesting if the defense becomes what we have in our minds thought it was going to be all season. I mean, they're plenty dynamic on the back end. And also, we have questions a little bit. Number 10, Pop had himself a hell of a game on Saturday. And yeah, if he continues to be his dynamic self, man, that defense is a different animal. Him and Smile both had great games on Saturday. And I love the fact yeah. that we're seeing the, the young guys on the D-line get some run. You know, Damon Wilson – uh, you know, five-star recruit got, um, we both, I texted you, I was like, who is 35? Because I hadn't seen him all season. And I'm like, you said, could, you said without looking it up. <laughs> yeah. Without looking it up, who is 35? Because I was like, I was like, I cannot for the life of me figure out who that is. Cause I haven't seen him. And if, if it was, it was in garbage time, you know, when there's a few cocktails involved. So it wasn't one of those things where I was really paying that much attention. So I was really, and then, you know, he had some good plays TID, huge difference maker i mean not having him at the beginning of the season he was expected before he got hurt to fill the jalen carter role not to fill the jalen carter production i'm not saying he's jalen carter i'm saying he was expected to fill that role that quick twitch twitch defensive tackle which we haven't had to be able to collapse the pocket against on passing downs so having him back makes a huge difference on um, for the interior defensive line, not just from a depth perspective, but also on passing downs. I mean, he had the um, he had this the force fumble so in the game, and I think that the more game shape he gets and the more reps he gets, the better the D line is going to get, and it's going to allow the outside edge guys, Williams, Jalen Walker had another good game. He's really starting to come into his own it's going to start letting those edge guys really, you know, do what they do and get to the quarterback. I really think that if we start to continue with the style that we're doing here and letting the edge guys come after them and not just, you know, hang back, I think we can start to get putting some more pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. So kind of spinning off of that, let's talk about Mizzou this weekend. Obviously Mizzou, one of the better stories in the country this year, you've got, uh, them sitting at 7-1 and with their only loss to LSU in a game where they led most of the game. And their offense has been very dynamic, led by Brady Cook and Luther Burden Jr. and um, Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper and who's the running back? Cody, Cody Schrager, that's the kid's name? Yeah. I mean, dude, they got, they got a lot of weapons offensively and guys that had good games against Georgia last year. I think the, the X factor in all that, too, is Moore's brother Kirby who has just called excellent, excellent games all year long. Uh, they have increased in essentially every offensive metric from last year's team. And so a lot of things going on there. They're going to be, I think, the I would say thus far, the deepest offense that we've played yet. I, I just think they, they offer some weapons. Here's what I'm interested in, okay? Last couple games, not, not throughout the season, but last couple games, Brady Cook has had 10 rushes or more for somewhere like in the 40 to 60 yard range, which, hey, look, nothing right home about. But I bring that up because that is where we've kind of shown some cracks, right? Whether it be the Auburn game or whatever it may be, is when you have the threat that the quarterback could pull and get the edge, we've had some leaks on that, right? And so I wonder if we'll see a little bit of that. Um, because, dude, they, they're compelling, man. I mean, we've said on the show that I would pay good hard money to see Luther Burden play in person, whether or not they were playing at dogs. Like, dude, he's just that electric and that fun to watch. And they got a lot of St. Louis kids. I mean, Luther's from St. Louis. I'm pretty sure Brady's from St. Louis. I think Theo Weiss 
is well, no, I think Mookie Cooper is a um, one. Which one of them was an Oklahoma transfer? I think one of them was an Ohio State. Theo, transfer, Theo was an Oklahoma, Oklahoma transfer. And then so Mookie was Theo's, an, o- Theo's an Oklahoma transfer. Yeah. So they're uh, I don't know, man. They're just and dude, Cody runs the ball like that dude is tough. And so I think they present some challenges defense uh, offensively, but. The other thing is I think we also can neutralize a lot of that. You know what I mean? Like, I think the reason they're getting some credibility is as much for their loss to LSU as it is for the seven wins. I mean, and so you kind of have to caveat that with, dude, LSU's defense is like Swiss cheese, man. It's just holes everywhere. And so I kind of temper that a little bit. I also just think between the hedges will be a little bit different animal for Brady Cook and that offense to manage. So all those variables in place, like where do you sit on it? What, what are you feeling about it? What's the thing that makes you most, most nervous? Cook's legs make me a little nervous, but the thing that makes me more nervous is because of his threat to run is the RPO game. That's going to make me a little bit nervous with our linebackers trying to cheat up, thinking he's going to run, and then throwing it behind them on those slants that Florida seemed to run early in the game against us. I could see them trying to utilize that um, quick passing game, RPO game. Um, not saying we won't adjust to that, but I could see that being their game plan early on and try to get pop a big one with Burton um, just because he's so electric with the ball in his hands. And, or, I mean, Weiss too. Weiss is a burner. So you get the ball in his hands. I mean, he's. I, I'm pretty sure he's the one with the track star speed, if I remember correctly. One of those two does have track star speed. I can't remember which one it is. But get their ball in their hands in space on a slant. You know, they break one tackle, they're gone. So, and this is a team you don't, other than the LSU game, you don't want to give them confidence. You don't want to give them spot. This isn't a team you like South Carolina where you want to sport them, spot them a 14 point, a 14 three lead. Because not saying that we can't come back from that, but it's not something we, you know, it's going to be that much tougher. What doesn't scare me with this team is, is their defense um, does not really worry me that much. Their defense has not looked great. Um, They've just been okay. They've been good enough. They're off. They've been winning with offense and their defense has been manageable throughout the season. But I feel like we are going to be able to put up points on this team. Um, and I f- really feel like it's going to be, it's going to come down to our offense versus their defense. I don't feel like it, their defense is really going to be able to stop us. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, Cause that's the one thing all week. I've like had no trepidation about our offense being able to do what it wants to do. And in all honesty, man, I think in a lot of ways, the offense has kind of functioned like an inevitable, like we just know each game they're going to do what they're going to do and I think that's helpful for the defense because you don't feel like oh man we got to go out here and pitch a shutout or whatever it may be I mean I think the offense has established what they want to do I think they can work in different ways we can run the football we can go five wide and fling it if we want to they can go tempo and fling it if they want to I mean I just think the offense is diverse I also think man and it's showing up every single week. We're not talking just like one-offs, but like Coach Bobo has been calling his ass off. I mean, just some beautifully called football games. And it's another game last weekend where we're putting up almost 500 yards of offense. And it's like, I just don't want that to get discounted or like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I just feel like for all the hate people threw at him in the first month of the season and all this stuff, about, well, I need to fire Bobo, blah, 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 blah. Well, dude, that offense is freaking humming. And some folks need to get their pens and pencils out and write themselves an apology to Mike Bobo because that boy has just been in his bag. And so I feel great about where the offense sits. I also, man, so bad just because I think he deserves it. But, dude, Dejan fixing to rush for 1,000 yards. Like, he is – the way he finds space and shimmies and can cut and picks up extra yards, like – God, man, he's just been a guy I have really, really enjoyed watching, not just this year, but, like, throughout the course of his career. And I think he is a weapon that does not get enough of its due. I love how every time he falls forward, and I think it was – God, I can't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was Gary, but he was like, does does Dejan ever actually take a hit straight on? 
because yeah. every time he, every time he gets tackled, it's like he makes just a little move right before he gets hit to where it's like he doesn't ever take the full force of the hit to protect mm-hmm. himself. And that's, I mean, that's vital for a running back. So yeah. um, he just, it doesn't ever look like he gets, like you're not going to get running downhill and level Dejan. You're just not. Plus nope. with his build and stuff, like it's just, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go low on him if you're going to want to get a good hit. So our offense has been much more dynamic since he's come in. And I'm a little hesitant to say that the offensive line with the week of rest and then the game last week has turned the corner because Florida's defensive line, let's be honest, is not very good. Um, But the offensive line last week looked the best they've looked all season. Mm -hmm. They've put together pass blocking and run blocking in one game for, for the first time all year. They haven't put it to both together solidly all season until last week. And if they play, if the offensive line plays like that the rest of the season, there is not a team in America that's going to beat this team. We are going to be able to run and pass at will whenever we want. Because, I mean, Carson barely got, you know, breathed on last week. And he was just kind of sitting down there like, you know, reading the newspaper and just yeah. waiting for somebody to get open the entire first half. And then in the second half, we kind of like, you know, as we do, took our foot off the gas a little bit after we got up by four scores. And he still, like, barely got touched. How about, I mean, this is your bag, so I'm going to take your lead on this. But it seems to me, with my own two eyes, that homie, my boy from IOP, Monroe Freeling, fixing to be a player, man. Like, he just seems to be in the mix and – is going to be a guy that's going to have a very, very good career on the offensive line there. If he stays healthy, I mean, if he was not a true freshman, if he was a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore, he'd be the starting right tackle right now. No questions asked. He wouldn't have started over Mims at the beginning of the year, but he would be the starting right tackle with Mims getting hurt. It's just, you know, starting as a true freshman in the SEC – is is hard. I mean, look at the starting left tackle for Alabama. I think it's the left tackle. One of the tackles for Alabama is a true freshman. And he was the number one tackle coming out last year out of high school. And he's had a he's had a rough year just because it's so t- tough to make that transition from high school to starting left tackle in college, especially in the SEC. The speed's just a different game. So I'm not – I have very high hopes for him. I think he's going to be a stud. I mean – he has made that right side when he plays look tremendous, but yeah. we will see. I mean, there's, there's talk that Mims could play this week. He's not going to start because he's just not in game shape yet, but he's healthy. Yeah. So I think the plan will be eventually to get him back in the game for some reps to try to get him in game shape. And then by the mid, by probably the next couple of weeks, have him back starting. I, but honestly, I hate to say it, but I really hope we don't mess with moving trust back to guard. Like I like the way the left side of the lines looked the last, you know, against Vandy and against Florida. Oh, I like dude, the Fairchild I, Morris. I like Fairchild yeah. and Morris rotation. I like it. Uh, and I hate I'd say that because I hate a rotation, but it's looked better. Micah Morris, I think it's been outstanding. I think it's going to be outstanding. Dude, Dylan Fairchild too just looks like a lineman. Like just looks like a dude who wants to get muddy and like bite your ankles and I don't know, man. I just, yeah, I, he's like your prototypical guard. I feel like if you were going to yeah. draw in an art class, a guard, you draw Dylan Fairchild. Like, yeah. I mean, I just, I love it. They got going on the other line. I think that's a great point too. And I think publish dominance that way. And homie, they're setting themselves up where if they don't get the Joe Moore. I mean, I know we've said this in years past, but like, this is going to be ridiculous if it's another year where they don't get it. Like, it's just, to your point, man, I feel like Carson can write a thesis back there while he's going through his reads. Like, there's just nobody nobody touching him, man, and certainly makes his job a whole lot better. So, yeah, yeah. I they're set up great for the stretch run from that perspective. I think if those D-lines, if that D-line and that O-line play like they did in the cocktail party, America, y'all better look out because dogs fixing me in Houston again come January. I'm just putting that out there right now. Because everything else is already in place. So if that gets right, look out, y'all. We coming, baby. We coming. Um, all right, man, let's pick some games. Funny slate this week. Easy to pick, like, the first six. 
And then your boy had to really reach for the last four. So you'll see what the reaches are real quick. First one that we're going to pick is K-State and Texas. Emaw heading to Austin. Texas obviously going to be without Quinn Ewers. K-State has seemingly found something here in the last couple weeks with their quasi, I'm not going to say rotation because it's not a true rotation, but they have like a little bit of a change of pace at quarterback, and they have been much more dynamic. This is a game where Texas, even with Malik Murphy in place at quarterback, is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. How do you feel about this one? Man, I really wish you would have sent me this slate beforehand. <laughs> nope. This, uh, this is why it's be so much more fun. You're picking blind, baby. I need it right off the cuff. All right. So you said this is at Texas, and it's three-and-a-half points? Three-and-a-half points favorite over Ema. I'm just not a fan of Texas. Like, even with yours, I'm just not. Um, I like their offense. I just their, their defense is wasn't is, is what doesn't do it for me. Um, they're talented. They're extremely talented. But I think K State keeps sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Is it close? I have no idea who wins this game. This To me, this is a coin flip game. Evident by Vegas thinks that too, by the three and a half point spread on neutral ground, this would be a .5 spread. So I'm going to go with K-State to cover. I have absolutely no idea who wins this. I think it's going to come down right to the end. Yeah, man. I, I've had little to no success picking K-State and Texas in their games this year. So whatever y'all do, pick whoever I pick in this matchup, okay? But I'm going to take Ema, man. I mean, in some ways, this is a pick for my sister-in-law, who is a graduate of K-State, of the Little Apple. But um, – Kind of with you, I just am not enamored with this Texas team. I love Sark. I think he's an incredible play caller, but I, I don't know, man. I just – something something ain't there. So, and again, me saying all this probably means Texas can win by like 35 points. But uh, I'm taking K-State. I like the way they've been playing. And I think, again, with, I'm with you. I have no idea who wins the football game. But I think it's tight. Maybe just a field goal, which would, would get me to get me the cover that I need. So, yeah, I'm going with Emo. All right, next one on the list. This is one where – Obviously, a lot going on, but Texas A&M going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a two and a half point home favorite, which for me, man, this line stinks out loud. But uh, tell me what you think on this one. Well, my initial gut pick when with the line is to to go with Texas A&M because that's if I were going to pick this game, that's where I would go, like betting wise, because that screams trap game. That just screams yeah. trap. But yep. for this picks, I, I can. It's in Oxford. I cannot see. And Ole Miss is the better team. They yeah. are better, pretty much everywhere except the front seven on the D on the defense. That's the only thing where I see that Texas A and M has the advantage. I, I I don't see how I, I don't I don't see any way that Texas A and M wins this game. Um, and I don't even see where it's like within two scores. Like, I think this is like a 10, 13 point game. Um, I'm going with Ole Miss. I don't, but I don't like this line. I will not be touching it at all. And with real money, it's something, something doesn't feel right. This seems fishy. Yeah. This line stinks to high heavens, but homie, I'm, I'm going with the land sharks. So give me the, give me the land <laughs> sharks. Um, I think they got too much on offense. Also, I just I don't trust Jimbo Fisher to walk my dog, man. Like I, it it just seems like dead man walking. Like A and M's got to make a decision here because they're not going anywhere. Nothing's changing. They're just they're the same movie over and over. they are the same C movie over and over and over again. It's like we're it's like we're stuck on TBS with a movie that you kind of don't like, but there's nothing else on, so you have to watch it. Like if I was a Texas A&M fan, that's how I feel. That's my football team right now, and. I don't know, man. I just there's nothing about them that screams sexy to me or screams we're going to keep this close. And like tight game in Knoxville with the Tennessee team that doesn't have a ton of offense, and I think Ole Miss is a much better offense than Tennessee does. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably regret this, but I am taking Ole Miss. I'm with you, man. I think this is like they're just walking all over a And M on Saturdays. My feeling. But to your point, 
trappish game if you're the Rebels, right? You got noon kick in Oxford, so not a, not a lot of time for everybody in the Grove to get all ginned up with the champagne punch and everything. And then huge game next week against Georgia. So yeah, I think there's some opportunity there for them to overlook AM. But again, I, I just think the Jimmys and Joes went out on this one. And I'm going to take Old Miss in that. All right. This is where we're going to start to see the reaches here, brother. Next one we're picking is Arkansas and Florida. Boy, this oh, is wow. a, this is the ratings on this game are not going to be great, my friend. So we got Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks who are 0 5. Southeastern Conference play. Going to the Swamp, there's coming off a thumping from the dogs. Florida is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite at the Swamp. How are you feeling about this one? Man, this I told is you was, I told you it was slim pickings after, like, the first six. Is he going to uh, say it? Is, it, is it going to come out of his mouth right now? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm going with Coming up. Oh! Uh. <laughs> I, you know, everything in my being wants to pick Arkansas. Everything in my being wants to pick Arkansas, but they're just going in the wrong direction. Not saying that Florida's going in the right direction, but they fired Dan Enos, and realistically, other than the game where they only scored three and lost seven to three, the offense wasn't the problem with this team. The offense was putting up, like, I think they averaged like 25, 26 points a game. The offense wasn't the problem before that one miserable performance. Um, maybe there was some other issue going on that we don't know about. The defense has been atrocious this year. And I don't understand why they decided to fire Enos or Enos or however you say his name. So I don't know. I mean, Pittman's just writing this out at this point. He's gone at the end of the year. He may not make it to the Egg Bowl. I mean, I'm sorry, not the Egg Bowl. He may not make it to the LSU game. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what's going on with this. So, um, Oh, wait, they already played LSU with Chicago. I'm losing my mind here because you threw me all off and not getting my games in there. Um, he's not going to make it to the end of the season, folks. That's what I'm trying to get to the point at. And it just is what it is. I love Pittman, but, I mean, he's he's a dead man walking at this point. Yeah, I, I think I might be with you, homie. I think I'm going to have to take Florida. I think, number one, it's, it's in the swamp. But both these teams stink out loud. It, it's a travesty that a fantastic player and from every exposure I've had of outstanding young man KJ Jefferson is essentially being wasted like he's too good to play on a team that's two and six and has no wins in the conference and I know they've had some close calls and whatnot but like yeah man I think your point about their defense is taken too like Barry Odom not being there is is obvious and I think his impact yeah. was very 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 undersold and so yeah man I just don't trust him and Florida's not a great football team but they they can do enough I think to cover that um, Graham Mertz is plenty serviceable and they've got enough weapons on the outside and enough weapons at running back where I think they win the football game, certainly by three and a half points. So yeah, I'm going to take the Gators too. All right, man, next one. Let's go. This is a good one. Now we're going back to the good ones. So Bedlam this weekend, a lot of interesting storylines. Boomer Sooner coming off a humbling loss to, uh, one of my family's alma maters, Rock Chuck Jayhawk, big win for my brothers and, and my sister so yeah nice nice weekend for the folks in the crimson and blue last weekend so this weekend though they got to go to stillwater after that loss talk about looking ahead to play oklahoma state who homie is red hot right now and can we talk lost to south alabama not just lost to south alabama got the dog walked on them by south alabama yeah. earlier in the season and seemingly, ever since then, they finally settled on a quarterback, weren't going three quarterbacks every game, which you know your boy hates. And, dude, the cat that's running back, what's the guy's name? What's his name? Ollie Gordon? Is that his name? Ollie Gordon. 235 receiving rushing yards, I think three or four straight games, like has inserted himself squarely in the Heisman conversation. Just electric. Must see TV. And so – Having a great season. Still had a good game last weekend against KU. Had some tough turnovers, brother. Than that, I mean, still having a nice year. And the number on this one, brother, for Bedlam is so Boomer Sooner minus five and a half on the road. What do you feel about this? This is a spicy one. Give me Oklahoma State at home. I, I'm not an OU fan. I mean, they're they're big win against Texas. I mean, I've already stated how much I'm not a big believer in Texas. So I'm not sure at the end of the season how much weight that's going to hold. I think Texas, if they both make it to the Big 12 championship game, is probably going to avenge that game. 
I don't think Oklahoma's back yet. Oklahoma's definitely much better than they were last year. Venables has got that team going in the right direction after, you know, Riley gutted them when he left. But I just don't think that Oklahoma is Oklahoma is not what they were when Riley was there. Their defense is much better, but their offense is nowhere near what it was. And Gabriel's a great quarterback. He's a great college quarterback. But I think Oklahoma State, they're on fire right now, like you said. And I think that they have enough on offense to keep this close. And I think they got a good shot at winning this game. Dude, here's the here's the weird thing for me about this Oklahoma team, okay? And it feels weird to say this about a Brent Venables team. I mean, that defense is obviously not Lincoln Riley bad, but that's not a Brent Venables defense. Like, there are plenty of opportunities each week for teams to score. I mean, Kansas shredded them last weekend. And they're just – I think Oklahoma State is going to have a lot of opportunities to exploit that defense. And I think that's what helps them – I don't know if Oklahoma State's going to win the game straight up. I'm not I'm not willing to go that far, but I love them against this number, man. Like, I think this is definitely in that field goal range of a, of a game. So, yeah, man, give me the pokes all day in this one. I'm, I'm here for it. All right, you're going to love the next one. baby. The Dukes are heading to Atlanta to play Georgia State in a uh, Sunbelt showdown here, my friend, which, look, can we get somebody from Madison College to freaking get on the loudspeaker every day of the week and start pounding the drum for them to be postseason eligible. Like, I need the kind of effort that they were having at UNC to get Tez Walker eligible from JMU for their own postseason eligibility. Yeah, like, no homie, kidding. they're fixing to go undefeated. Like, somebody at Madison College needs to start throwing their weight around and get something done with this. Like, this is crazy. I mean, homie, Anyways, it bothers me, and I need it to happen as soon as possible for them to be declared eligible. But anyways, they are going to play Georgia State. They are a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. No chance, no chance, y'all, that my boy is not riding the Dukes on this. But I'm, I'm going to ask you anyways how you feel on this. Uh, of course I'm rolling with the Dukes. But there, there's actually – this isn't just a heart pick. State just got rolled by Southern, and it was not competitive from the opening kick. And that was supposed that was a one and a half point spread. Now, granted, it was a Friday yeah. night. It was on the road, but still, that was supposed to be a close game. And Southern walked the dog on them. And showing up there. Southern is eh, they're they're okay, but you know, the state was that was supposed to be a game that state was supposed to, you know, plant the flag, so to speak, and as the second best team in the state of Georgia. And they just did not. And nope. um, so I think Jamie goes down there. I think, I mean, the the only team that has stopped them on, on offense, and when I say stop, they held them to 20 points, was Marshall, Marshall. on a Thursday night in, you know. In Huntington. And that's in Huntington. When um, McLeod, their quarterback, you know, got hurt in like early in the, the second half. Now, granted, it was 3-2 it was three two at halftime or 3 nothing at halftime. It was a very weird game. Um like the punters were the MVPs of that game. Let me just put it that way. Brett Thorson would have been proud. And I'm getting on a tangent here, so sorry. Anyway, long story short, McLeod getting hurt in that game uh, slowed their uh, slowed their offense. McLeod's healthy. They're gonna they're gonna put up 35, 40 points. State cannot keep up with that. They just can't. So Jamie's gonna roll in this one. They're most likely gonna go undefeated. Second year in a row, they should be in the um, conference championship game that they're not gonna be eligible for because of the stupid rule. Give me the Dukes, baby. As our friend Jake Crane said, JMU is a wagon, and I'm I'm on board with that. They're a wagon. I'm taking the Dukes. Give them to me, baby. Harrisonburg, stand up. All right, next one on the list. Go back to the Jayhawks here. Sitting at 6-2, and two, and, brother, they have a path. Some things have to happen, but they have a path to the Big 12 title game. So let's hold on. I hope for that. What a beautiful world that would be where KU is in the Big 12 title game. They are going to Ames to play a, I would say, somewhat surprising Iowa State team who sits at 4-1 and one in the Big 12. Matt Campbell got the boys playing. The Cyclones are working. Dude, Iowa State, two-and-a-half-point home favorite over Rock Chalk Jayhawk with, uh, dude, I feel like rising from the ashes with Jason Bean at quarterback in place of the injured Jalen Daniels. How do you feel about this one? This is one of those other spreads. Um when I was going through tally the uh, uh, last night before the thir- um, before the Thursday night or Friday night games Thursday night games, I was looking at it and I saw the spread and it was actually um, it was actually three and a half yesterday, 
And I was just like, this one, this is one of those that doesn't sound right. doesn't feel right. It's one of those Vegas knows something we don't. But I know Iowa State has a really good defense. And but I don't haven't seen their offense do anything all season. They've been winning with defense. They they are they are built exactly like Iowa. They are carbon copies of each other, which is really weird because Iowa State's had good offenses in the past, and not just when they had not when Purdy was there. Like before that, they have had good offenses, before, not just Hall and um, Purdy. So I'm really think that I think KU is going to win. Um, I think they're going to go to Ames and win. Their offense is, is clicking on all cylinders here without Daniels. I mean, obviously, they'd be much better with Daniels, but they're not really missing a beat right now, and I don't see them slowing down on Saturday. Dude, for me, man, KU one of the more undersold stories of college football world right now. They're 6-2, and two, and the Big 12 preseason player of the year, their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, ain't played half the year. Like, dude, and they just beat Oklahoma at the booth with Jason Bean at quarterback. And so, yeah, man, I – I like this KU team. I love what Lance Leipold's doing there. He's going to be a hot name with all these coaching searches, not, not even in the offseason. I think before the season ends, he's going to be a name people are trying to pull. And, yeah, man, I like where they sit. I think Jason Bean's getting comfortable. I mean, dude, he can't just fling it. That boy can run. I mean, he dude, he was a yeah. he was a legitimate sprinting champion in high school. And so he's just a weapon. And dude, they, they got some things working. Their defense is problematic. And I think their success is contingent upon their defense creating some defensive explosives by turning the ball over, which always makes you a little bit nervous. But, um, yeah, I like KU in this game. I'm with you. I think they win straight up. So I, I love them against the number. Um, all right, next one on the list, Washington going to the Coliseum to play Caleb Williams and USC. Um, how many points? Take the over, folks, before we even get to the spread. Take yeah. the over. I think it's set at 68 and a half right now that all day i mean that might be the first half total homie <laughs> yeah probably. 68 yeah, they might have had by halftime i think i think both teams might hang out 100 that's how this game's gonna be i think um washington is a two and a half point road favorite against the trojans how you feel about that one this is one of those i'm gonna go with my heart and i'm gonna take washington but i really really feel like that usc's got a good shot to win this one and um it has nothing to do with it being at USC, just as the way Washington's looked the last two weeks. It's not that USC's looked good. USC has yeah. not looked good. But Washington has looked bad against inferior competition. And I don't know if yeah. it's that they're just playing down to their competition or what it is, but they have not looked good. And um, it makes me nervous. Going going against, I mean, Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams, and he can if he catches fire in this game against that defense. Like, I mean, he's going to torch him. Yeah, man, I'm I'm taking Washington too. I mean, I, I still love Michael Penix. I know they've had a tough couple of weeks. I just man, that that USC team, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Like that defense is horrendous, and I just think Washington is going to eat their lunch all day long. Now, to your point, Caleb can be Caleb, but dude. I just, I don't know, man. I just feel like he's feeling his oats too much. Like, every play is one of these, I'm going to bend it for 20 seconds and fling it across my body. Like, and obviously, that got exposed against Notre Dame. I mean, I thought that was a classic example of that. And I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't think it's a good matchup for USC. I think Washington plays good enough defense to contain USC. And I think Wazoo, I mean, Washington against that defense is going to score pretty much at will. I think this is where Michael Penix and Roma Dunze reintroduced themselves to America after a tough couple of weeks. So, yeah, I, I think this is a, a primetime stage against a primetime opponent in L.A. for them to plant a flag a little bit. So, yeah, I'm taking the Huskies, too. But I think it's a fun game, man. And definitely, definitely take the over. Hammer the over. Okay. Big game, big game at Bryant-Denny on Saturday night. LSU heading to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. The spread on this game is Alabama favored by two and a half. Where are you feeling on this one? I have waffled on this game a lot. I think that LSU is the better team. With that being said, their defense is atrocious. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I'm not sure if Alabama's offense is good enough to exploit that. However, I'm going to take Alabama 
based solely on the fact that they have the better coach. And yeah. Saban, I, I can't remember the same the last time Saban lost the same coach two years in a row. So I'm going to go with Alabama. This is tough for me, man. Like I, you got two Sunday talents at wideout, and they have a Sunday talent at quarterback, obviously. And so that piece of it is super interesting. In past years, I think this would have been a layup type pick to take Alabama, given LSU's defense. But I just don't know if they're composed offensively to take advantage of it. Now, flip side of that is, I do think they are composed to be physical and to control some clock and to neutralize LSU's explosiveness on offense by keeping them off the field. Man, this is really, really tough. I mean, I think this is going to be easily the best offensive team Alabama has played all year. Um, Texas went in there and stole one. I mean, I just, it's hard for me to imagine a world where it's twice at Bryant Denny, right? Like, that's hard to kind of wrap your brain around a little bit. So, even though everything on my insides is telling me that LSU is composed of the talent to beat them, I am also going to take Alabama. And this is one of those things where they've just kind of earned that trust over the last 15 years. I, yeah, I just, I think they have the better coach, and I think their home field advantage carries the day. So, yeah, I'm taking Alabama under the lights at Brian Denny over LSU. So, I, yeah. I, I can't pick Brian Kelly in a primetime game against Nick Saban like that. No, I just can't. It just feels wrong. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Refuse to do it. Yeah, roll tide. Okay, homecoming for the dogs between the hedges. First time in, like, almost a month. Mizzou rolling into town. Dogs are a – 15 and a half point home favorite, my friend. I mean, can we just talk about the ridiculous world that we live in? Where, like, all week people are going, Oh boy, Georgia's got a tough one this weekend. It's going to be a real tester for the dogs. Yeah, 15 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's just, I, yeah. Anyway, what are we thinking? How do you feel about that? That's a big number, man. I think that this is That's a last bigger week. number than the Florida game was. Yeah. I think that last week started the death march of the dogs. And with that, they're going to just continue to roll over people and assert their dominance and their will. And they're basically going to show why they are to be feared. And they've, they've been doubted more this year by the media than they were last year. And now granted, not saying it hasn't been justified. Not saying that it has been justified. They they the schedule was not good. They didn't play very good a lot of the season, but they're going to step on the gas and step on the team's throats and just I feel like this is gonna be Kentucky-esque. Um maybe not score-wise, but dominance-wise. You're never gonna feel like this is a game where Mizzou has a shot. And because of the they do Mizzou does have talent, but at the end of the day, it's not dogs level talent. This is a Jimmy's and Joe's thing, top to bottom. Yeah. Georgia's roster is just so much better. They're better coached. And I love Drink. I have loved Drink since he came to the SEC. A lot of people think he's a doofus. I think he's a hell of a coach. He's doing great things in Missouri and realistically deserves a heck of a raise after this season and you know, may get job offers other places. We don't know. So um but with all that being said, I think the dogs roll in this one. I think this is easily, easily a 24 to 31 point game. Well, let's just be clear on one thing. He is a doofus. I, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss past that. Okay. That, that's a valid <laughs> critique. He is a doofus, but you're correct. He is a very good football coach. And I do think he should get some more credit for that. Um, I think you summed it up beautifully. I think all of that is correct, right? Like, this is, number one, any doubt about whether or not they're going to be up for this? How many times do you think Kirby brought up last year's game this week and showed that game tape? And like, I, I, we can't count that high. One bajillion. Like, so <laughs> there's no chance that they are not raring to go. Man, I was texting with Jason Hasty earlier today, and he was asking me, like, hey, you got, you know, you like, anxiety about it or anything i'm like you know what i think this is a lock the gate game for them and it is a we are going to punch you in the mouth for the next four quarters and we're the only ones walking out with a belt 
and y'all are getting knocked out. That's what's happening. And in all honesty, I think that started last week. I think this is the lock the gates portion of the season. And to your point, man, they are they are now ready to say, hey, look, I know y'all didn't forgot conveniently that we're the back-to-back national champs. People in the mouth. And so I think that march just continues to your point on Saturday. I, I you know, I'm glad you said that I think it's kind of like Kentucky. I think that is what it will be like. There was talk all that week too. You know, Kentucky's got all this momentum and Kentucky do, does XYZ. Now, granted, Missouri got so much more offensive talent than Kentucky did. And like, I'm much more fearful of Brady Cook from a talent perspective than I was of them. But even with that being said, I just think. Yeah, it, it's going to be a show come Saturday afternoon for the dogs. And to think about this, too, like if you're Kamari Laster, who is NFL draft projectable, who was in the top 50 from Dane Brugler, you now have an opportunity on a national stage to go mano e mano with one of the better players in the country in Luther Burden and say, this, this, is, this is who I am, right? And so – that's that's a matchup I'm I'm interested to watch is to see what kind of game Kamari has and how he neutralizes that and I think that's the other piece is the depth in that secondary they're going to get an opportunity to show what they can do against Lucas Cooper and Theo Weiss and yeah I just think it's it's a good matchup for the dogs and I like how things sit and I think they will come out on fire on Saturday afternoons so yeah I'm with you I like them to cover man it's a big number bigger number than last week but I like them. I like how they look right now. I like the attitude they're playing with. I just think they're rounding into form and like have figured out and feel comfortable with who they are and kind of pursuing that excellence. So, yeah. All right, homie. That's all I got, man. Makes me a little nervous. We didn't pick any game different. Has that ever happened? Has that ever happened? I don't know. In the history of the show, I don't know that that's ever happened. Well, we're like an old. You sure you don't want to change any pick? You sure you don't want to change any picks? Try to make up some ground? We didn't know each other 30 plus years. We're like an old married couple now. We just think the same. That's all. <laughs> You're stuck with me forever. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> all right. Well, until we chat uh, again after a big dog's victory on Saturday. Um, yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll be texting. And until then, go dogs. Go dogs. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.